Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Fullest Podcast. This is going to be a really interesting episode because I am actually interviewing my husband, Eric Bostwick. And I don't know if it's going to be much of an interview, but really just talking about our um, history. What, what do you think? A conversation? Yeah, a conversation. Thank you. So, yeah, we're just going to have a conversation really about our relationship and how we met and how we are where we're at now, which is in our 30s with a two-year-old married and starting our own businesses or at the beginning of our businesses. So I think it's really interesting. I normally, I mean, I've never done this and I'm, I always just assume or don't think that it's that interesting, but a lot of people have told me that they'd love to listen to an episode like this, or they want to learn more about just how we became high school sweethearts and stuff like that. So we thought maybe we'd talk about it because it's not really a story that you hear that often anymore. And it's, I guess, an interesting one. Right? Yeah, I think so. It is? Okay. I think I so, so, maybe. Okay, cool. Well, um, yeah, so Eric and I met when I was 16 and he was 17, and we both grew up in Laguna Beach, California, and we met at Laguna Beach High School. It's probably smart, though, to kind of get into before we met, too. I, Laguna's a super small town, so you kind of know everyone. So I thought it was really interesting that I met someone that I didn't know. Obviously, it's not like you know the entire school, but for the most part, you've heard of people, you know each other. It's like a class of 200. I, I always went to smaller private schools and, and went away my freshman year to boarding school <clears throat> up in Canada. Why did you go to boarding school? Uh, I <laughs> probably was not good <clears throat> at a lot of things. And my parents were going through a divorce, and they wanted to... I don't know what they wanted to do. My perception is they wanted to send me off and not deal with me. And um, But you weren't like a bad kid into drugs. No, no, was I wasn't. Like... I wasn't good at school. I, you know, I had a hard time focusing and, and, uh, you know, I wasn't getting good grades and my parents were going through their divorce. And so I. You wanted to go, <clears throat> right? It wasn't or... my idea, but I, I was able to choose the one I wanted to and kind of wanted to get away from, you know, all sorts of family dynamics and dealing with stuff with my sister. And um, so I went away, but I hated it. Looking back on it, I love it. It was a great experience, but I hated it at the time. And so I only was there one year. My freshman year came back and, and came back to Laguna Beach High School. Yeah. And so it was his, well, we didn't meet until his senior year, but. Going, we'll into, get, going into my senior year. Yeah. So he came to high school your, so you came a sophomore year. Sophomore year, yeah. I started at Laguna Beach. So, okay, because we're talking about history, we should probably get into where we were at in our lives before we met, because I think that makes a huge difference into how that impacted our connection when we did meet. So Eric mentioned his parents were going through a divorce. He was actually a lot younger. He was like eight years old yeah through middle school yeah. I guess through middle school they middle were going school through and it was like a really school. gnarly divorce um super hard on the kids and the family dynamic is really interesting because Eric has an older sister and I have an older sister and we both come from 
a family of four. So just two siblings. And like Eric's older sister and my older sister are just very similar in the way that they treated us or just our relationships with them. So, um, we understood each other on many fronts. Yeah. Like, and then when we met my parents, my parents have been wanting to go through a divorce since I was basically born. And it was like, when I was seven years old, they had told us we're going to get a divorce, but then they didn't. So it was on and off and believe it or not, it's still going on in my thirties. Um, it didn't totally, they didn't totally separate until I was 15 um, like 15, 16, right when I met Eric, my parents were separating. And so it was a really hard time for me. And he had just like kind of finished that period in his life where things were like starting to stabilize for him and his family. His dad was married finally, um, to a wonderful woman. And she ended up like really making a big difference in my life. And so it was like a, the perfect time, I guess, that we had met and we just kind of connected and we understood each other, like Eric said, and he really helped me go through it because at the same time, I felt like I was taking things out on myself and I was not doing well in school. I was experimenting with drugs a little bit, not a lot, not where it like really affected me in any way, but it was definitely an experimentation that could have gone down the wrong road. And I was also bulimic. So I was like going through a really hard time and, but I was also like really into spirituality. So I was going to yoga and I had this like wellness side of me that always was really strong. So I felt like when I met Eric, he helped me heal so many things without even knowing it because he helped me like remember to love myself. And I, and I think that's really what this episode is about is about how love is so strong and how power, just how powerful it is and how it can help you overcome so much. Because I think that it also applies to like animals too. And so we'll kind of get into like how we rescued our dog and, and how I felt like when we rescued our dog, everything started to make sense. But Anyways, Eric and I ended up meeting when I was 16, he was 17, and um, we, like, we accidentally started dating because Eric asked me to be his girlfriend, and, oh, no, he never asked me to be his girlfriend. You introduced me, right? You introduced me to someone. He doesn't remember, but one day we were, like, going to a football, um, what are they called? Football games. Football games. <laughs> One day we were going to a football game because that was a thing in high school, like Friday nights or whatever. And he introduced me to one of his friends as his girlfriend. And then from I didn't correct him. And I was like, OK, I guess I'm his girlfriend. And that's how it started. But we had like a good year together before he moved away to college in Oregon. So are you open to talking about how in that year you kind of got off of your medication as well and like kind of sure. your experience with that because yeah. you went off and then went on and then yeah so what was that like for you like what was the transition of like going from like a stable situation finally to like going off to college and how that affected you yeah I, I mean I think I had a hard time with it and um like do you feel like you weren't ready or 
No, I think I was ready. I, I, I've always had a hard time with academics and I barely made it into college. Um, <laughs> had a hard time through college with my grades and, and probably had too much fun instead of focusing on what I should have been focusing on. And um, also, I, get, I, I don't really remember. I guess that's when I... No, you went on... Well, when I met you, you were on medication. You were yeah, on antidepressants. Yeah, I've been on antidepressants my whole life. Yeah. Not in, anymore, but I had been as a kid. And When um, did it start? When your parents were separating or... No, I think before that. Like when you were eight? Probably, yeah. I never even knew that. Yeah, yeah. And were you on it consistently? Uh, not necessarily consistently, but I, you know, different medications at different times. And um, it was kind of like... Uh, my retainer. I never wore it. So I would <laughs> Which wear is it, dangerous. I'd wear it for a period of time and then I just wouldn't. Um, would some, but like someone would give it to you, right? I mean, they're not like expecting an eight year old. Sure, yeah, they give it to me, but it's still my responsibility to take it. And you wouldn't? Yeah, not always. That's um, crazy. You well, know, I've I tried know that many different kinds, but anyways, I. When we met, uh, like I, like I said, like I, our love really helped me heal a lot of things. It wasn't totally like the end all be all. I had a lot of work to do, obviously. Like bulimia just doesn't go away just because someone loves you and reminds you to love yourself. But I think for me, it was like a huge deal to have someone stable in our life, in my life, I guess. So, but for you, I felt like it was interesting because you felt like you were at a place in your life that you were finally happy and you wanted to start tapering off your medication. So you did successfully get off of it. But then like when you went to college was when you came, we went back on it, right? I think so. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I think I tried it different times cause I had a hard time in school. And so. And just being away from. Drinking too much, being away from home again. And you know, had, I was not doing well in school. And so I, my parents suggested go, you know, talk to someone, figure it out, get on medication, whatever. And so I did. Yeah. And, uh, and I think part of that was Adderall, maybe that was my first time with Adderall. And was that when you were in college? It was the first time? Yeah. I, I that think makes so. Sense. They prescribed. I think so. So I have super strong views on antidepressants and I don't, I'm not a doctor and I'm never going to tell anyone not to take them. I think that there's a definitely a time and a place if someone feels that they need it. But I also like have seen so many people in my life on them as just as a scapegoat sometimes to not dealing with your shit. And it, so sometimes you just are in a place where, you know, I don't have the bandwidth to deal with this or like I'm in college. I don't really have the resources I don't know. I mean, you obviously had the resources, but like it just wasn't the right time. Yeah, I think I just, yeah, I didn't want to deal with anything and I could blame something else for me not having motivation or drive to participate in the academics and just party. Yeah. And have a good time. Eric was the, what is it called? Student brand manager. For Red Bull. For Red Bull. And so my job, part of my job was to party. Yeah. And so, it was great. It was the life of the party. I'd bring a case of Red Bull and everybody loved me. <laughs> so anyways, um, Eric didn't do well in college. I didn't do well my first Nikki, trimester. Or my, 
were we on trimester? Quarters. I didn't do well my first quarter, but my dad threatened that I... Oh, I didn't say this part. So Eric went off to Oregon State, and then my parents' divorce started getting gnarly, and I was like, I'm out, and I love being with Eric anyways. Like, I wasn't just going to follow him to college. Like, I figured we'd be together regardless, but I ended up going to the same college as Eric, and it was super fun. Sometimes I get frustrated that I went to Oregon State because I feel like I should have gone to NYU. Better school. <laughs> but, but I didn't I make do it to a better it. school. So. And um, I love the people we met and I love that experience that I had in such a remote town in Oregon. And so it was super fun. But for me, my dad basically was like, if you don't get good grades, you're coming back home. And I was like, there's no way in hell I'm going back home to be with them because their stuff is just too much for me to handle. So I would stay up really late and study, and I did really well in school and also kept up with Eric's partying. Yeah. Yep. But, and Nikki put up to some degree with me and, you know, stuck through my bullshit. It's hard to be with someone in college, I think, when you drink a lot. I think that's, like, always going to have... I mean, when people drink a lot, they just, like, have really unnecessary arguments. Sure. But I think it's... I don't know. I don't even know. Ours were mainly mainly about how I wanted Eric to get his shit together, and he didn't. So um, we had definitely a, a lot of moments like that. But for the most part, like, I just... We both... I would say had a knowing that we're meant to be together. So we weren't trying to change. Like I was never trying to change Eric. I just like knew who he was and I believed in him. And um, I just always wanted him to remember that. And I would say that Eric definitely, there's been times in our life where he was that person for me. And that was really in high school when I was like drinking a lot and stuff like that. He was the one that was there for me to remind me, Hey, like this isn't, this isn't the Don't way. Don't do drugs. Stay in school. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Eric has gone through a lot. So Eric's mom is an alcoholic. That's a big part of why um, his parents' marriage didn't work out. And she is an amazing woman. We love her. But she's definitely gone through a lot. And it, it's been really hard on Eric as well. And so seeing that with his mom and navigating that relationship and... Um, his, every single one of his cousins, <laughs> right? Every single one except for one are heroin addicts on, no, on one no, side. No, not necessarily heroin oh, addicts. Oh, no. Just, you know, hard drugs. And hard had, drugs. Have had issues and, and. So he, and then one of them in particular overdosed and died from heroin. So that was like something that happened to him in high school. So it was a really, um. Well, impactful yeah, and, impactful and experience. kind of pushed me to not go down that road yeah I want that kind of thing in my life and you know I didn't I wanted to be with Nikki but didn't want that aspect of it in my life what are you what are you bringing me in there for because of drugs yeah oh yeah I mean not that I was doing that I'm saying you didn't only <laughs> deal with me. I know okay so basically I the moral of the story too. is Eric dealt with me first which is why and I was Nikki, willing Nikki to deal with, with Eric for so long but his family doesn't know that they just think that I'm an angel and dealt with him so I always keep it that way yeah and she dealt with a lot more than <laughs> I did I did for sure but I think that when you meet someone 
I, I think both of us coming from families that have been divorced, we knew right away that we need, like, we were just never going to do that to ourselves or each other. And that that means that you have to be really present in a relationship. So we were together for 10 years before we got married, obviously, because we met each other when we were super young. It was nine years, actually. Um, I was 25, I think, when we got married. Um, so we were together, though, from like September of 2006 to um, we got married May of 2016. And it's because obviously we we're going through college and all that. But I would say um, you really just have to be super present instead of just think, okay, I'm this age. I need to get married. I need to have a kid. I need to like do all these things and mark off this checklist because that's what I'm supposed to do. And I think oh, that's really what leads to, in my opinion, what leads to divorce. Sure. Yeah. I, Not choosing the right partner because you want a certain life. Right. Moving too quick or. And so I don't know. I, I also think that um, speaking we, of what? I, when we were ready to get married and have a kid, we were we already understood and we had grown over a period of time. You learn what the other person wants and you ideally your views and how you want to approach things kind of mesh together. And they need to be in line before you yeah. make those decisions in your life. And I know there's so many things like, okay, so Eric and I went to college. Then we, um, Eric was going to take like seven, eight years to graduate. So I, he went off before me. I graduated before him. We moved to Bend, Oregon. And I was like actually really mad at Eric at this point because I was so ready to start our life and I was planning on moving to Santa Barbara with him and he was supposed to work for Patagonia this was all in my head by the way because he never replied but he was supposed to apply and like I had this plan and he didn't actually tell me well meanwhile Eric went to the Amazon for three months and it was amazing for him because he needed to like kind of go and be in nature and realize that he didn't want his um, degree to be in business. And that's a lot of the reason why you were having trouble in school, I think is because you were in learning something that you really wanted to learn. Yeah. Um, so Eric came back, studied eco and adventure tourism. Tourism and outdoor leadership. Yeah. And so part of that was, um, so he, he knew that was going to be his major, but then he didn't tell me that it was actually going to take years for him to graduate from it. And so I was really pissed when he told me one day and then, um, we, but I, I was like, okay, whatever, we're going to get through this. Like I'll move to Oregon. I'll still stay in Oregon and I'll move to bend with you. Um, so we, moved to bend and it was so much fun, but we found a dog on Craigslist and, both our parents were like, you guys can't get a dog until you're married. But at this point, we, um, we like kind of told them about her situation and she needed to be rescued. And so we rescued her with their support. And the moment I met her, I knew that everything was like meant for us to like get to that point. Like all the F ups that Eric did, like got us to the point where we got to Bend, Oregon and we, 
we rescued this dog that was meant to be part of our family and like help us expand and like give us responsibility and teach us how powerful love is because she was like terrified, right? Like what was she like when we first got her? Yeah, I think terrified and um, a little aggressive. We were her fifth home in, in her first year of life and I don't think she ever was loved. And so she was, reluctant to give love back so she would she never went on walks with her previous owner and and so we'd take her on walks and and we'd stop for a water break and she would be aggressive and and want us to go on you know jump on us and push us to go on more walks or a longer walk and keep going and bite um, our arm yeah and, and sleep in little corners in the room and she just yeah she was in bad shape emotionally and and, and i was like a kind of eric would go to work he was like working and going to school. And at the time I was, I just graduated. I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. And so I was home with her and I was kind of afraid of being home alone with her, but slowly, like, I mean, you know, we got to know each other and we just like showed her just love, like consistently, like what Yeah, that we weren't going is. anywhere and she couldn't do anything that was going to make us give up on her. And yeah. And uh, now she's the sweetest, most incredible dog. She just needed love. And she's like nine years old now, which is crazy how long ago that was. So I would I tell think... her too that, you know, if she kept doing that, we were going to give her away. <laughs> no. Hey everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I wanted to share with you about natural wine and I've been learning more and more about it lately because we've been working with a company called Primal Wine and I absolutely love what I've learned with working with them because they are really here to share with us the beautiful natural aspect of what wine really was intended to be. And I learned from them that conventional wine actually uses lab-grown yeasts and synthetic antimicrobials and even aerate their wine using gas injection at times. And I knew from that moment that I did not want to put that in my body. And what I also love about natural wine is the fact that they take into account cultural and philosophical methods when it comes to bringing us this beverage that really has respect for the environment. And it takes us back to the area where the grapes are grown. So I've been really excited because I signed up for Primal Wines Wine Club, where they basically guide you along the way, they curate the natural wine, and you get to learn something new. So I wanted to share this with you guys because we've partnered with them and we're offering free shipping when you sign up for their wine club. And it's a great way to do something for yourself or with a family member and really have some fun learning something new. So take the time, sign up and tell us what you think. Use code thefullest at checkout and go to their website, primalwine.com. So... Yeah, we rescued Cessna, and at that point, like, a year later, I knew that I needed to, like, move back to California and do stuff. We stayed together. I moved, and Eric finished college, and and then we moved back down to Southern California because uh, I went to culinary school, and I did some traveling solo as well because I felt like um, he had the opportunity to do that while I was in college, and I we just kind of knew that we were going to spend the rest of our life together. So it's nice to have um, 
you know, it's nice, especially when you're young and with someone, it's nice to give yourself the opportunity to learn more about yourself and explore and grow by yourself um, as well as together. So that was kind of always our thing is we're never going to stop ourselves from learning and growing and being our own person, but we also love doing everything together. And that's just the way that we are. Um, so yeah, that's kind of brought us to, um, Eric graduating, moving back to California and I lived near Cafe Gratitude in Venice. And so we would go there a lot and, um, somehow we ended up getting to know the family that started it. we started doing workshops. We did <clears throat> when I graduated, moved down here, I was opening our pizza restaurants and, and we went and did this sacred commerce workshop as well as, a. Can oh uh, no, uh, sacred else. commerce and like leadership training. Yeah, so we spent ten days in an intimate group with Matthew and Teresi from the founders of Cafe Gratitude, and you know got to know them and and grow close with them, I guess. And and they were other than like Eric's um, stepmom and dad, who were definitely a big example to us of what love looks like because I think like growing up with parents who didn't love each other I mean they at some point probably did but they weren't in love with each other anymore I think it's so important to have an example of a relationship that you look up to so they were like a really big part of um you know our knowing that love is real and and um and then when we met Matthew and Teresi it was just kind of like wow look at these look at them like they are such incredible people and they model exactly what we value and what we see um as real love and so we really appreciated their approach to life we loved that they brought that into their businesses and that they saw just as a really like because our really our view is that every relationship is a path to awakening within yourself and to get to know yourself on a deeper level and kind of like help each other grow. And so the fact that that was brought into a business is super inspiring to us because we're, you know, really entrepreneurial people and we, our dads are entrepreneurs and like that entrepreneur blood is like within us. And so to see them bring that into a business and then have a method to it was really cool. So we kind of like stuck with them. We learned from them. How can we bring this into our businesses? And, and then um, we got really close with them and we did their kindred spirits workshop. Um, I think we did that after we asked them to officiate our wedding. Yeah. So we, once Eric asked me um, and we got engaged, we did a workshop called kindred spirits and it's very similar to sacred commerce, but basically what is it like a method or what would you say? Yeah. Yeah. There's like a form of communication as well. Right. So like they teach you not that kindred spirits is a form of communication, but they teach you how to truly listen to each other. And I think that Eric and I always had, you know, obviously a way of communicating with each other that wasn't like violent or anything. Like we always knew that, to be patient with each other and to love each other through all of the like ups and downs that we've gone through. Obviously like we weren't on and off and stuff. We were definitely like a really strong, we had a strong relationship, but 
I think taking their workshop and really thinking about what type of communication works for our relationship is really important. And it's a really important thing to do with each other. And one thing that they said that I think applies to everyone is like when you go on a date or like when you go to meet someone, like cut the bullshit right away. Like, remember when they said that, mm-hmm. like talk about real things that matter. I think communication, I read this somewhere actually, cause I, I grew up with my mom telling me that communication is number one in a relationship. And I always believed that it was true because my parents had such a horrible time communicating with each other and getting across the fact that, Hey, I love you, but this is what bothers me. I think that they just like, were never able to say that to each other. And it's a big reason why they're continuing to be in the situation that they're in. Like, it's so sad to watch like just what people do when they don't feel valued. But, um, and I don't think we do it necessarily. We try, but I don't think, yeah, I've learned from, my dad and my dad learned from his dad and I think every you know hopefully truth is learns from me and I can make it better than it has been generationally and I every generation it's gotten better but you know that's one of the things that we had to work on and I think every relationship has to work on but it's funny because I think that even with that I think that I read somewhere that, and I think this is so important, that respect is number one and communication is number two, because I think once you lose respect for someone, then you really don't have anything. Like whether that means that someone cheated on you or whether that means like someone did something that you just like truly lost respect for. And then, so the way you treated them was probably going to become like condescending and that like takes two people, right? Someone doing something and then you becoming condescending or vice versa. And I think that it takes a really long time to gain respect or trust. And I think people, that's something actually people really need to work on and work towards. And so, I don't know, I i, I really appreciated like meeting Matthew and Teresi. I mean, I fell in love with them I love them so much and I want to have a farm like they do and I want to build a life that they like they have but they taught us to they created a framework of communicating with each other that's the word I was thinking of and they taught us how to really listen to each other and listen to what we're actually trying to say and teach us how to even communicate what we're actually trying to say and if you're ever interested, I think that it's a really great thing to look into, whether you want to do it with a partner or just like learn on your own. I think these are things that um, everyone should learn, regardless of if you're in a relationship or not. And um, another thing that I really love learning about is like having appreciation for other people's love. Like if that's what you want to call into your life or Um, you know, like I think calling out jealousy and like, I don't know, what do you have to say about jealousy? Cause I think we know a lot of jealous people in our family. Yeah. I think it, it ruins ruins a lot of relationships. Um, it gets in, in the way of stuff and instead of just enjoying people and what they have and, you know, experiencing life together, you spend your time being jealous of that person and so you lose the the great times together and 
And like it keeps you from being present because yeah. you're constantly yeah, jealous of like, what does this person have that I don't have or what yeah. this type of life that I no, I'm not, I'm definitely not jealous. I appreciate Matthew and Teresa's like life because that's not, you know, but I think it could come from people could be like, oh my gosh, they have that and that's wrong. Or I don't know, you know, like, oh, they have a big business, whatever. You could just like call out all these things in people and have it not come from a place of love or it could come from a place of love. And I think those are really important things to consider and, and notice like if you're in a relationship with someone or if you're starting to date someone and they seem like they are jealous, like use that as a red flag. Like, I think there's so many red flags and I think people don't want to pay attention to red flags because they want to only see what they see, you know? Anyways, so I think we were kind of getting into, Eric started talking about um, when you start dating someone or when you're getting married. Yeah, we were talking about divorces and why they happen and like how people kind of go into relationships not talking about their values and like things that are actually important to them. And I think that's really major. Um, our values. Matthew and Teresi said they had a couple or something that you know didn't they moved in together and they got married or moved in together or whatever it was and and she didn't like the way he folded the towels in their <laughs> bathroom and i'm sure it was a lot more than that but that one thing you know set them off and it and came so through in like a workshop from the workshop oh. did. and um so knowing, discussing everything before and kind of <laughs> other aspects of your life and, and what you care about. And so now I tell Nikki, fold the towels this way or else. <laughs> Literally, like, I used to be the person that did the laundry. I was psycho. I mean... He hasn't touched I, the laundry in years. I know. Okay, so, and I didn't even talk about this. Like, I mean, I don't know if you've listened to the fullest or read anything. Like, you probably know I used to be crazy into, like, being vegan and then trying to make it eric do all sorts of things i've made him do a oh, colonic yeah. cleanse before like i've made him do so many things and he's so nice I and like a cheeseburger once Nikki started i crying. cried to my eyebrow lady and she reminded me that i was just bawling because eric went out and ate a cheeseburger one day and i was like i At least i was honest <laughs> i don't know if i can be with someone who eats cheeseburgers <laughs> Like, I had a cheeseburger so two days bad. ago. Okay, he went to what's that place? It was like a Tuesday. Is like Tuesdays, TGI Fridays or something. Ruby Tuesday. Ruby Tuesday. Oh my god, we lived in Corvallis, Oregon, so literally you had like no options. And I went to Portland, and then I like Bacon called him, and I was like, "Hey, what are you up to?" And he's like, "Oh, I went to lunch with some friends." And I was like, "Cool, where'd you go?" And he's like, "Ruby Tuesday." And I was like, "What did you get?" <laughs> and he was like a cheeseburger and I, I was so mortified anyway so like obviously um we brought a lot of stuff to our relationship he had his like party like failing school stuff and I had my like really intense like I would be I would be like sit, sitting in class in college and like thinking about the fact that I didn't make my bed and how I need to like run home and make my bed or else I wouldn't have been able to like focus all day long. Like I was really type A 
and I had to run every day if we went on vacation and I didn't she run. She would make the bed with me still in it. <laughs> like literally so psycho. And so um, I don't even remember where we were going with this. Oh, yeah. So anyways, I used to do the laundry all the now, time. which I've noticed the other uh, last couple of days. You've made, you make the bed after I'm already out of it, but you only make your side. I know. Well, no, I don't do that on purpose. I just, now that we have a kid, like the tables have turned. For half the bed. Eric like does all the dishes and he does all the laundry. And now he has a specific way of doing the dishes and laundry. So like if I do it, he gets really upset. Um, so it's actually really funny. I mean, not like mad, but you know, he's very particular and so, yeah, I think like what you were saying about that couple and how he had a or she had a way of doing towels or one of the two. Yeah, I don't know. I think that those are really funny things to notice, you know, whether you live together before you get married or not. But then it goes like as deep as being like, this is how I want a parent. And these are things that people don't think about at all, even like having kids to begin with, you know. I mean, I'm pretty sure people talk about that probably before they get married. But. Yeah, but how even now we have this not issue because it's not an issue, but you're w- way more well versed in parenting techniques. And, you know, you have a certain way of doing things that I don't do just because I haven't learned it yet. But I'm on board because I trust you and your instincts as a mom and yeah, Eric's super nice and supportive, which is awesome because... I get corrected a lot <laughs> the way I say something or or do something. But but yeah. that's okay because I know that Nikki and I both have... An agreement. The same goals <laughs> yeah, for yeah. how we want to raise our son and, and who we want him to be. And um, I know Nikki, she's done a lot more research on it. And so I trust her opinion, which is... I think it's... I have my opinions about the way I want him to yeah. do certain things. And I, I think she lets me have that as well. Yeah, I think it's important that... Like, for me, I... If you're the type of person that is really particular, then you should talk to the person you're about to marry about all this. And it's stuff that people don't talk about. Because before you have a kid, you don't think about... You know, I'd, or maybe you do like you might go to a restaurant and see kids on screens all day or all all evening and then think like we had that experience where we were mm-hmm. at a really nice restaurant and we like the high parents, end restaurant and these kids were sitting with like iPads. high end beats by Dre. Yeah, they just like the parents were like, OK, they Massive just sat them down. iPads. Yeah, gave them their technology and they were quiet the entire time and it worked for them great. it worked for it them. worked for them and it was nice because our dinner was quiet but yeah we were, we'd rather have those kids run around having a good time yeah and sit at these kids staring or at like screens. why do you need to go to where it's carlton or what i don't know where it was like with your you know five-year-old like just yeah. stay home and hang out with them or have someone i don't know whatever if like you're that type of person but i but knew we agreed on it yeah we we agreed on like not wanting to have our kids have screen time but for me because i'm I think for me, it's super easy. It's way easier to just not have it in the house. So we just don't have a TV because I got rid of my TV. Yeah, I got rid of Eric's TV. And okay, so I got rid of Eric's TV because what happened was when he moved down from Oregon and he moved in with me again. And so like I didn't have a TV. So I had control over the fact that like we 
didn't have a TV and I loved it. But then when we moved back to Laguna to be closer to family, Eric convinced me that he needs a TV. And so like for a few years we had a TV and like, I look back because I think that it really impacted even like it was during the elections and it had a lot of impact on me because I was super fearful at being a minority and being, you know, coming from a family who's Muslim. I not practicing Muslim, but from a Muslim country, I legit thought that I was going to be put in a concentration camp because I like because that's what the media told me essentially about Trump. And so I was so scared when Trump didn't win. And I was like, curled up. Oh, no. Yeah. When Trump won. And so I um, was curled up in a ball crying to Eric that like I, you know, I don't know how our future would look like if like I was put away in a camp. We're still here today. (laughs) Exactly. Anyways, I got rid of the TV. My fear subsided. (laughs) Like I don't have Life went on. Yeah, life went on. And like, but anyways, I convinced Eric, not because of that situation, but I convinced Eric that like, if we're going to be parents and we don't want our children to be on screens, then it has to start with us. And so we got rid of our TV and I was always on my phone. And so like I switched my phone And that's really helped with like not being on social media a lot at all, really. And um, so we like we agreed that we should lead by example. That's like one thing. Um, But also just like other things that you need to talk about, like vaccines and like schooling and all sorts of things I think are important to discuss. Circumcising. Circumcising. Yeah. You know, a a huge one. Yeah. So we are. But we address those things together. Yeah. And discuss them and. So we we were pretty lucky to have like formed those opinions before we even got engaged. Yeah. So I think that those are things people should like talk about and and hopefully you're on the same page because it's hard when you're not. And I don't think that it's an end all be all if you're not. But I think that um, it makes life difficult because I know a lot of people that, you know, that are really sad about those things or maybe now they're looking into getting a divorce and then the other parent is, um, you know, saying that they're not an adequate parent because they don't believe in certain things. And so I think it's important to be on the same page to prevent and have Eric and I have gone through like such gnarly divorces with our parents that we know you can't trust anyone. And like, it's a really horrible way of like looking at life, but I don't think we look at it in like a bad way or a fearful way. I think it's just a taking precaution type of like perspective, right? Like we were just talking about that even with, um, employees, you know, I think, um, being really like just doing things by the book, even when it's like your best friend or whatever, because I think that. You just have to have things super clear. And, like, I've learned that from my dad's mistakes. Yeah, it's not necessarily trust. It's just having things clear. Yeah, that doesn't have to do with trust. But I think it kind of does in a weird way because I think when you really trust someone, you kind of let your guard down. Right. I don't know. It's, like, hard. I don't know. What do you guys think? So a friend of ours is here, a really good friend of ours, and he was saying how, like, sometimes when you, like, kind of – not in a bad way, let your guard down, but you maybe become passive about certain things. Cause you're like, Oh, that's fine. Oh, that's fine. And like people, someone people might take advantage of you and, and little maybe by they little. don't know that they are, but, but yeah, but they are. 
And it's also your fault because you didn't say, hey, that doesn't make me feel good or that kind of makes me feel like this. I've even had a relationship with like good friends that like I leave feeling like I don't really want to hang out with this person because they always make me feel bad about myself. And so I've like told Eric, like, I actually don't want to be friends with this person anymore. And like we haven't hung out with that person. And it's like if I had just addressed it like head on and then been like, that's not nice, you guys. Like, maybe we still would be friends, but I was super passive, I guess, about that situation. Yeah, move on from them. <laughs> it can happen with employees where they might be like, I mean, this is actually happening with a really good friend of mine who people listening to this podcast probably would even know her company. But, like, the, her employees were essentially like, oh, you made a lot of money this weekend off of this item and you did a special and you made this much money. And so we, um, they got together and they said, we deserve a cut of that because you made X amount of money. And she's like, are you kidding me? Like, I don't even pay I don't even myself. Get a, uh, yeah, I don't even get like, a paycheck. I, uh, you were lucky. You are lucky we made this much money so that I can make Afford your to pay paycheck. the bills and keep the yeah. business going. And, but yeah, people, and people don't, don't see that. See but I, I would say it can go picture. the other way. Like, I think a lot of times if you hire employees that maybe are more affluent or come from families who are affluent that no, don't need to make a wor- like crazy amount of money, then you could be like, oh, whatever. They're fine. They don't need it. Their family has money. They are whatever white and do you know what I mean it's like I guess it could totally go both ways and I always think about that too because I think that like it's easier to not feel bad about someone when they don't have a family to pay for you know and so you really have to just put things in perspective and say you know this person is working this much and regardless of their background like this is what they should get or or this is what their position should be getting paid and I think a lot of times like especially for me it's been a learning experience it's like just because I love this person, like it doesn't do them any good if I overpay them for their position. Absolutely. It doesn't it harms my company. It harms their future if they want to leave and they can't get a career somewhere else at that paying rate. Yeah, and so that I, happened with I overpaid friends that worked for us at our restaurants and they haven't been able to go on and, and make the same amount of money or yeah. have the same type of career. And it's detrimental to them. And so when you think, I think the moral of the story is like you think you're being nice, but really you're hurting both yourself and the other person. And so I think at the end of the day, just like remembering to do things, not, I don't like doing things by the book at all. And I don't like following rules at all, but like doing things that, you know, are recommended. No, the following (laughs) rules thing is more of not following rules. Going by the book is more of a, you got to cover your ass too. Exactly. Yeah. In the end, it's it's you that you got to look out for. Yeah. Unfortunately. And me, in our case, you and me. Yeah, us. Whatever your unit. <laughs> and your family. Your yeah. Family, if you have unit. a family, it's your family unit. Like for Eric and I, um, just like our families, you know, and having a crazy family dynamic. I think we realized early on, like when we met, and I think that's really yeah. like why we wanted to do this episode is like, I think immediately when we met, we realized we're a unit and we're each other's family. And then like, we didn't obviously bring our family second. It really happened when we became married. But I think that's how we lived our life. Was that like, yeah. And a big turning point for me in that regard is when we had our son truth and, or we were about to have our truth was about to be born. And my mom was going through a hard time and, and relapsed. And at some point I had to tell her 
I've got my family. I love you and I've supported you this whole time and, and let you do it over and over again. But I'm not going to do that anymore because I'm got my family that I'm starting and I need to look out for us. And that's my number one responsibility. And I have to focus my energy and love on that. And that helped her, I think, grow. And yeah, she appreciates she appreciated that. You said that, that now. And, and wanted to said, okay, I'm on, I got to figure it out on my own. And, and he's got his family to take care of. And so I got to, I got to do this. And I, it's not that I didn't continue to support her in some degree. Yeah, you like sent her good. It wasn't like Eric's like, you're cut and I hate you. But it was like, I'm going to focus on my family. And if you want to be a part of it, you got to get your shit together. Now she's better than ever. And yeah, that's actually really good to like, I mean, I knew that you did that. And I, we always kind of talk about that. We just talked about it with her, how she appreciated it. But right now I'm going through a lot of stuff with my mom. And I think like I approached it in like the bad way. I think I was like your cut versus I should have been like, I don't agree with what you're doing. I I still love you, but I don't agree with what you're doing. And like, we're not going to continue this until this you figure it out. But I just don't like want to say yeah, that. Yeah, there's to a her. fine line. There's also, I, you, I think I you can't have that energy and that type of person around your family because we're growing yeah our family and and our son is being shaped into who he is and being around that kind of energy and yeah being around that kind of energy and the way she a person is. acts yeah. shapes them at a very young age and yeah. so you need to just say look i gotta worry about us and too and bad. you're not part of us you're not a part of us <laughs> yeah if you're gonna be like this yeah so anyways i Thanks for coming on to this episode, Eric. I love you so much. I love you too. And thanks for listening, you guys. It was really fun to have my husband on. And if you end up having any questions or... If you have any questions about our perfect relationship, (laughs) feel free to reach out to me. (laughs) Or email... Yeah, email Eric. I'm going to tell everyone your email address. wearewonderwater.com. Yeah. Just email Eric and ask him questions. On IG at Faircraft. <laughs> All my social media. I he actually don't doesn't have social even media go on anymore, social media. Because so. I got mad at him for looking at a bunch of boats and stuff and wasting time. It was wasting time. I know cars, cars and boats. And, and I was like, <laughs> I know. It's just such a waste. I've got a lot more time. I've been reading. Yeah, I'm he loves now it, educating actually. myself on raising children and, and what I want. Yeah, so it's awesome. There's no there's no such thing as bad weather, just bad clothes. <laughs> okay, love you. 